You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Chris Robinson Travel Show. Heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Chris Robinson Travel Show is brought to you by Visit Wales. From exotic locales a continent away to weekend stays down the highway, pack a suitcase and your vacation imagination. It's time for the Chris Robinson Travel Show on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome to the Chris Robinson Travel Show. I'm Chris Robinson, and this week, the Travel Show comes to you from five time zones away across the Atlantic Ocean, where we are on location in Wales. I've been travelling this week right across the south of this country, experiencing the sights and sounds of this land of poets, and meeting the people that make it such a special place to visit. So join me over the next hour on a journey through this small but perfect country and find out why 2014 is going to be a wonderful year to plan your visit. Just a two-hour train ride west from London, England, I have found myself in a whole new country, Wales. A country that charms with the warmth of its welcome and amazes with the richness and depth of its culture. In fact, the Welsh culture is one of the oldest in the world. Cardiff, the capital city, has well over 2,000 years of history. Wales has 641 castles, more per square kilometre than any other European country. A testament to its fascinating and turbulent past. The castles of Wales are open to visitors to climb the towers, walk ancient walls and explore the dungeons. This is the land of magic, myth and dragons. We're going to start our Welsh journey in its capital city of Cardiff, where we are in the experienced hands of Bill O'Keefe, Wales' Blue Badge Guide. Bill, one of the the ways to discover a country is through its history, and there really is no shortage of that in Wales and in Cardiff in particular. That's true. You are never far from the past in Wales, and Cardiff is a very good example of this. In the centre of the city is the magnificent Cardiff Castle, uh, from which Cardiff takes its name, Caerdydd in Welsh, the fortress on the River Taff. Uh, which is the old Welsh name for that fortress. And it was begun 2,000 years ago uh, by the invading Romans, uh, who decided uh, that they wanted to conquer Britain, and they fought their way across as far as Wales. When they got to Wales, they encountered problems. The local Celtic (laughs) tribe, the Silures, weren't terribly keen to be part of the Roman Empire at first. As a result, Cardiff and the area around it in South Wales is littered with Roman military remains, roads that they used to try and control us and and sit on us, basically, to make make us behave. Uh, Cardiff is an outpost of the main Roman fort 12 miles east of here, but it is a major, major Roman site in its own right. Some of the most substantial Roman walls uh, in Wales are here. I I was amazed to see that the Roman walls still part of of Cardiff Castle and and still looking fantastically robust after 2,000 years. The Romans were quite good at building, uh, it's fair to say, and their walls, which are about 10 feet thick, have been holding up parts of the castle for the best part of 2,000 years. Um, and after the Romans, the Normans. We keep getting invaded here. Yes, yeah, so obviously a nice place to come. Uh, and the Normans invade us in the 11th century. The end of the 11th century, after the Battle of Hastings in England, the Normans turned their attention to Wales. Uh, and they sweep in over the next 200 years, conquering small pieces of territory at a time. And wherever they managed to grab a piece of territory from the Welsh, they would build a castle on it. Uh, exactly like the Romans and to control us. And so they, what made a good castle for, for the Romans made a good site for the Normans. So we went up to the top of the, the Norman Tower, right in the centre of the castle, and the views, of course, across Cardiff are stunning from up there. Well, very helpfully for us today, the Norman style of building was the Mott and Bailey Castle, the Mott being a large mound or artificial hill, 
uh, and that meant that we have a wonderful view today. They built their castles up high to protect them from attack from the Welsh. Uh, and it is the centre of the Norman town that was created here 800, 900 years ago. Then, of course, history marches on and the, the most lavish part of the castle these days is actually more recent. Very much so. I mean, the majority of the castle that you see on the West Wing is Victorian. Uh, and it is paid for by what we call in Cardiff the black gold, which is coal, steam coal to be precise, which is the fuel of the Industrial Revolution. Everything in the world at one time ran on Welsh coal. If you'd come here a hundred years ago, this was the busiest exporting port in the world because of coal. And that money made some people very rich, including the owners of the castle. Where are we off to next? We're going to head down to the source of Cardiff's wealth, the engine room of the, the Victorian city, the docks, the bay, which has been completely transformed in recent years. I'm continuing my exploration of Cardiff with Bill O'Keefe, and we've come down to Cardiff Bay, which really was the, the birthplace in some ways of the explosion that, that transformed Cardiff in the 19th century. Very much so, Chris. This became the shop window for the, the coal industry, the huge industry of the hills and mountains north of Cardiff was for export, that's what the coal was for, and Cardiff was the way to the sea, and the bay, this wonderful natural harbour, was perfect for building docks, which is what happened in the 19th century, on a big scale. A, a, a big scale indeed, it became the world's largest uh, port. It was the busiest exporting port, but unlike many other ports, it was totally dominated by this one outward-bound cargo, it was very much a port of, of the coal trade alone. And that continued, of course, up until the, the 20th century, and then there was a, a lull in activity down here, but now Cardiff has reconnected itself with the, uh, the bay. It has. I mean, a lull, a crash would be more accurate. <laughs> I was way. being polite. Thank you. <laughs> um, in the 1920s, the price of coal fell very sharply, and Cardiff stocks went into a long, protracted decline. Um, and that meant that uh, the city began to sort of pull back from the sea. Like many ports, it ignored its coastline, and it became an area that was very little visited by Cardiffians, let alone people from outside. And then that all changed in the 1980s, a huge uh, regeneration programme, Cardiff Bay Redevelopment Programme, uh, reunited the city with its waterfront. And we've been wandering through this redevelopment, and it is truly spectacular. There are some beautiful new buildings. It is a strange mixture of the, what's the 19th century, the, the great days of coal, and this modern resurgence. Almost a second city has appeared on the waterfront of Cardiff, uh, and it really has made an enormous difference to Cardiff in the last 20, 30 years. Take us through some of the buildings that we, we've seen over the, uh, the last uh, hour or two. as we've. Uh, well, some of the traditional older buildings, you've got the wonderful yeah. Pierhead, the few buildings that the, the, the sailors of 100 years ago would recognise now, the wonderful terracotta building, looks like a church, but the only thing they worshipped in there was money. That was the Butte Docks headquarters, and that's where the money was made that built all the fine buildings, the civic buildings, Cardiff Castle particularly. But then next to it, cheek by jowl, you have these wonderful modern architectural forms, the, the Millennium Centre, which is the huge opera house in Cardiff Bay, uh, the Senedd, the Welsh Parliament, where Wales is governed from now, right next door. Yes, indeed. And then further on from the, uh, the Norwegian church where we are, we've just encountered another strange character. A strange character indeed. Well, Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> Um, filmed in Cardiff uh, and many of the Doctor Who creations like the Daleks, the brainchild of a Cardiff man, Terry Nation. So when the BBC started remaking their famous science fiction programme, they chose Cardiff as a location with their huge studios that they have here in the, in the dockside and the Doctor Who exhibition, a very, very big draw for visitors now. Well, we continue to be blessed by wonderful weather. The sun is, is on the water here. We've had a lovely uh, lunch uh, beside Cardiff Bay. Uh, where should we go to next? We're going to head back up into the city centre uh, to the National Museum of Wales, one of the most famous institutions uh, in Cardiff uh, and a real treasure trove of, of Welsh history. My final stop on my tour of Cardiff with Bill O'Keefe is here at the National Museum of Wales. And it's a fitting end to our, our tour here. It's a grand building. 
It is. It, uh, it again was born out of this growth of Welsh identity and, and a sort of resurgence of, of Welsh feeling at the end of the 19th century. Plans were put in for a national museum. Cardiff won the race to host the museum against competition from pretty much everywhere else in Wales. And in the early 1900s, the building was begun uh, with a short break for the First World War, and it was opened in 1927. And again, the theme of, of coal wealth comes through because there is an amazing art collection here. And much of it from one particular bequest, um, the Davis bequest, two remarkable sisters, Gwendolyn and Margaret Davis, granddaughters of one of the great coal entrepreneurs in Wales, David Davis, a hugely energetic man who discovered vast coal wealth, and he left it to his granddaughters. They never married, they walked around Europe buying art that they loved, and when they died they bequested, bequested it to, to the National Museum. And we have it here today. It really is an amazing collection, but there's so much more besides. You can find out how people came into Wales and how they lived uh, before the Romans even arrived. We have relics here going back 30,000 years to some of the earliest cave burials in Britain, right through to uh, the first farmers, to the Romans, the Celts, uh, our whole ancestry here. You can really discover uh, the origins of Wales in this, in this uh, marvellous museum. And geology and natural history and more. All that, and for children it's a wonderful place to visit discovery rooms and so on but the art collection is what really draws people in the impressionist art particularly and all free all free all parts of the national museum wherever you go in wales if it's national museum of wales it's free it's been a perfect way to end our days tour bill you've provided a wonderful introduction to wales and its capital city of cardiff thank you so much but before we part i do need one last insight from you uh, this is the hundredth anniversary of the birth of dylan thomas like so many people across the world his poetry inspires me where do i go to find out more about the man and his work. Go west, young man. I would say <laughs> head west uh, to Wales' second city, Swansea, about 50 miles west of Cardiff, where you have the wonderful Dylan Thomas uh, Centre, all about the man's life, his birthplace, which you can visit, five Cundonkin Drive. And when you go to the Dylan Thomas Centre, if you ask for Joe Ferber, you'll be in good hands. Thanks very much, Bill. When we return, we'll follow Bill's advice and travel on to Swansea to find out about the Wales of Dylan Thomas. You're listening to The Chris Robinson Travel Show. When you're as proud as the Welsh are of Dylan Thomas, a birthday can quickly turn into a year. 2014, the centenary of the birth of Dylan Thomas. And Canada.VisitWales.com invites you to the party to walk the birthday walk in Larne, soak up the culture, and meet some Welsh characters along the way. Come visit Wales in the year of their native son. Go online to canada.visitwales.com. Where do you find your inspiration and motivation? If you're someone who dreams of growing or starting a business, seeing your great idea come to life can be more rewarding than ever. At vistaprint.ca, we give you a simple and affordable way to promote your business and bring your dream to life. In fact, when you go to vistaprint.ca today, you can get 100 standard business cards for just $7.50. Plus, get free shipping. Choose from hundreds of designs or upload your own design to create a truly customized, top-quality business card, and your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. Order today, and we'll send you 100 of your customized business cards for just $7.50. Plus, you'll also get free shipping. If you're ready to turn your dreams into reality, visit Vistaprint today to get started. 100 standard business cards for just $7.50, plus free shipping. But hurry, this special offer won't last long. The only way to get 100 standard business cards for $7.50, plus free shipping, is to go to vistaprint.ca and type in the promo code 5353 at checkout. That's vistaprint.ca, promo code 5353. Tonight, the wait is over. 
CBC's Hockey Night in Canada returns with all Canadian matchups and the best seat in the house. First, longtime original six rivals go head to head when the Leafs face off against the Canadians. Then, it's the Battle of Alberta and a chance for the Flames to move up in the rankings when they take on the Oilers. It all starts tonight at 6.30. NHL action on CBC's Hockey Night in Canada. It's more than a game. It's our game. Hello. Hello. Hi. Who are they? The design team from Royal Home Improvements. That's funny. I was just thinking about renovating the bathroom. And the kitchen? Yeah. Paul Napolitano and his team at Royal Home Improvements are so in tune with what you want, it's like they know before you do. Count on Royal Home Improvements' 40-plus years of experience and dedication to excellence in building you the renovation of your dreams, maximizing every inch of livable space and making your home functional as well as beautiful. I like that. Now, something you're going to love, Royal Home Improvements' winter housewarming gift. It just might get you those glass tiles you want. Okay, now that's just freaky. Book your renovation today and receive your valuable winter housewarming gift. It's available for a limited time. Call 416-236-4400 or visit royalhomeimprovements.ca. Seniors never pay tax with Royal Home Improvements. Proud to partner with the Sick Kids Foundation. The Chris Robinson Travel Show is brought to you by Visit Wales. He's been there, done that. And wants to go back. You're listening to the Chris Robinson Travel Show on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back, or should I say Croiso in Welsh, to the Travel Show, which is coming to you on location from Wales, where we're exploring Wales in the footsteps of one of its greatest sons, the poet Dylan Thomas. I've travelled a little over an hour westwards from Cardiff to Swansea, the second city of Wales, which had its origins as a Viking trading post at the mouth of the River Towie. I'm at the Dylan Thomas Centre, a beautiful building in the maritime quarter of Swansea, and this is the ideal starting place on a quest for Dylan Thomas as the exhibition places the poet's life and works in a historical context. And Joe Ferber has been showing me around the centre, and her job title here is Literature Officer. Only in Wales, Joe. What a lovely title. It's fantastic, isn't it? It truly is. Thank you so much for, for you know, showing me around. This is uh, probably the, the, the starting place if you really want to know about Dylan Thomas, the man and the poet. Absolutely. Our exhibition will offer something to you, whether you've never heard of Dylan Thomas or whether you're something of an expert in his works. As you'll have seen, it's called Dylan Thomas, Man and Myth. So it'll tell you about the man, his life, the stories around him, of which there are many, but it also give you an insight into his work and what made him into the fantastic writer that he is. And let's talk about his work uh, briefly, because to North Americans, perhaps he's not as well known as he should be, but he really is truly perhaps Wales' greatest literary son. Yes, certainly. He's said to be the second most quoted writer after Shakespeare. He wrote in all the media available to him at the time. He wrote poetry, he wrote plays, he wrote drama, radio broadcasts, a radio play, thousands of letters. There's an unfinished novel. And some of his work is still incredibly popular. Um, his radio play, Under Milkwood, takes place in the day in the life of the inhabitants of a small Welsh seaside town. It's called Lleregib. So you can spell that backwards and you come up with quite a naughty term, which is uh, Dylan's sense of humour at play here. But it's been translated into over 30 different languages and it's reckoned that it's performed all over the world every week. There's something like A Child's Christmas in Wales, which is a wonderful story. I know a lot of our visitors from North America are quite familiar with that story about Christmases as Dylan was growing up here in Swansea and about all the snow and 
throwing snowballs at the cats and all the presents, <laughs> the useful presents and the useless presents and the uncles sat around the fire drinking and Auntie Hannah drinking too much parsnip wine, the dog being sick. <laughs> so he, he's written some of the, the most outstanding work of the 20th century, which is still incredibly popular today and moves people enormously. Yes, his ability to, to conjure from words images in your head, I think, is, is what makes him so special for me. It's absolutely second to none, whether it's in the poetry or the prose. The prose is very poetic in its term as well. Um, If you come to Wales, you'll be able to follow in his footsteps. You'll be able to see what inspired that work. You'll be able to follow uh, the trail of certain poems, like Poem in October. You can can follow the walk Dylan himself took when he was composing that poem. You can visit Cumdonkin Park here in Swansea, which was the inspiration for plays, for radio broadcasts and uh, for some of his short stories as well. So you can actually follow in Dylan's footsteps and see what inspired him and made this work. And that's precisely what I'm doing and enjoying uh, tremendously at the moment. But this is the perfect starting place. This is where you can really understand how place fits into his poetry. Yes, very much so. Um, He wrote that he was born... I was born at the beginning of the Great War. You can see the influence of... All of this on Thomas. If you come to our exhibition, you can find out about the social context in which he grew up. You can find out about his writing and his writing method. You can find out about his friends from Swansea, the incredibly talented group, the Cardoma Gang, named after the cafe they used to go, a group of writers, musicians and artists. Um, This all helped form him. He wasn't someone who was working in isolation. He was someone who was a very well-connected cultural figure. So in those Swansea days, there there were poets like Vernon Watkins, uh, artists like... uh, Alfred Jaynes and Mervyn, Mervyn Levy. Mervyn he knew since he was six. And th- these all influenced his work. They were people who shared their work and discussed their work together. As he grew older, he moved to London. And he moved in circles like the Surrealists. He was at the International Surrealist Conference in London when he was only 21 years old. He met Salvador Dali there. Oh, wow, and that would have been an interesting Incredible, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he read poetry alongside... Uh, some of the leading French poets like Paul Eluard. So he was incredibly well culturally connected. And from there, of course, he did some lecture tours of North America, which brought him to the North American uh, notice. He did, yes. In the 1950s, he made four lecture tours in only three years. He visited over 60 different institutions in that time, including some uh, Vancouver. He visited right. Vancouver. And they often would start and finish in New York. And there he's, he encountered Allen Ginsberg. He said to have uh, influenced the beat poets and his writing. And, uh, of course, there was a young musician, Robert Zimmerman, who later decided to take the name Bob Dylan. <laughs> so there really is a direct connection there. Yeah, yeah. A tremendous. And that's where his life ended, of course. It was, yeah. He, he died in New York in 1953, only two weeks after his 39th birthday. He was on his fourth lecture tour. Um, he was planning to write an opera with Igor Stravinsky. And Under Milk Wood was just about to be performed again, having had its premiere in New York in May 1953. And he had so much still in front of him. What a, what a tragically short life. Now, we want to, to see more. We want to go around Swansea, other places in Swansea we should, uh, we should go and see. Very much so. We have four Dylan Thomas trails, which begin from here. One will take you around the places in the city centre, from some of his favourite watering holes to the old BBC studios he used to record right. at. Uh, another will take you to Uplands to the area in which he was born, to Cumdonkin Park, the inspiration of so much of his work. You can also go to Mumbles and Gower. Uh, Gower is an absolutely beautiful peninsula, uh, the UK's first area of outstanding natural beauty. Uh, you can walk along the cliffs 
Dylan loves so well. He, he would go for a walk and say that he was taking his devils for an airing. <laughs> and then, of course, you can move on to West Wales, to Larne, where he spent the final four years of his life, to Newquay, where he lived for a year during the Second World War, and up to Aberystwyth too. Okay, that's wonderful, Joe. Thank you so much. I've got two more requests. One, could you perhaps read to us just a few lines of one of your favourite uh, uh, parts of, of his literary heritage? Okay, here's the start of Under Milkwood, which it begins with first voice, uh, a role made so famous by Richard Burton. Richard Burton, of course. Yeah, yes. both on stage and on recording, yes. on radio too. To begin at the beginning. It is spring, moonless night in the small town, starless and Bible black. The cobble streets silent and the hunched quarters and rabbit's wood limping invisible down to the slow black slow, black, crow-black, fishing boat bobbing sea. Oh, that's, that's what I mean about the association, that you can paint pictures in your mind through, through the words association. His use of language was nothing short of genius, oh, I think. Wow, fantastic. Well, thank you, Joe. I'm enthused to discover so much more about Dylan Thomas's Wales. Where do you suggest I go next? I think now you really do need to begin at the beginning and go to Uplands and visit number five Cumdonkin Drive where Dylan Thomas was born and after that go to Cumdonkin Park, his world within the world of the sea town, as he called it. So, so thank you very much, Joe. I, I think you should prepare for lots of visitors this summer, of all summers. You're going to be getting lots of Canadians over here. En route for Dylan Thomas's birthplace, we've stopped off in Cumdonkin Park, which features in so many of his works. This is the, uh, the place that Dylan remembers in the poems like Should Lanterns Shine? And this is the park that perhaps is the most important land- landmarks in Dylan's childhood and development. In his radio broadcast, Reminences of Childhood, he dwells at length on the importance of this space and its profound significance in his early life. He says it was a world within the world of the sea town, full of terrors and treasures, a country just born and always changing, and that park grew up with me. In that small, iron-railed universe of rockery, gravel path, playbank, bowling green, bandstand, reservoir, chrysanthemum garden, in the grass one must keep off of, I endured with pleasure the first agonies of unrequited love, the first slow boiling in the belly of a bad poem, the strutting and raven-locked self-dramatisation of what, at the time, seemed incurable adolescence. Marvellous words. And uh, I'm actually recording this in the, uh, the memorial uh, uh, park of, of Dylan Thomas in Cumdonkin. And the, the children are still in the playground here playing as the clouds roll through the, uh, the sky, alternating uh, beautiful sunshine periods like we uh, are sitting in right now with uh, five minutes of rain and then more sunshine. And the sun is glittering uh, over the, uh, the sea down below in the mumbles as, as Swansea lies uh, just directly below us. I can see why this uh, park would inspire the, uh, the very early works of, of Dylan Thomas, and I'm looking forward to uh, now seeing where that early life took place. We'll return to Wales to visit the modest home where Dylan Thomas was born here in Swansea after this quick break. You're listening to The Chris Robinson Travel Show. When you're as proud as the Welsh are of Dylan Thomas, a birthday can quickly turn into a year. 2014, the centenary of the birth of Dylan Thomas. And Canada.VisitWales.com invites you to the party to walk the birthday walk in Larne, soak up the culture, and meet some Welsh characters along the way. Come visit Wales in the year of their native son. Go online to Canada.VisitWales.com. 
Hey, you're for a tattoo? Well, I have a family that wants to buy in the suburbs, and I need to prove to them that I'm totally committed to finding their dream home. Uh, here, I have a list of their must-haves. Three baths, fireplace, pool. Wait, you want this tattooed? Absolutely. Then they'll know I'll work more diligently and attentively than anyone else. Doesn't a BRA do the same thing? Yeah, it does. I'm just a little excited. Ask your realtor to put their commitment in ink. Ask them to sign a BRA. Visit brafirst.ca. Okay, just their names in a heart. Growing up, there was a Susie on every cul-de-sac. The girl who thought dolls looked prettier without heads. <laughs> she never touched your stuff. Which is why your Barbies and teddy bears are still like new and worth money. Today, Susie is in anger management class. And you're about to get cash for your old toys from the toy guy. Who's laughing now? Call 1-888-878-7860 or visit toyguy.ca. This month, Remini House of Music on Bloor is featuring exceptional savings on the newly expanded range of Zeiler upright and grand pianos. Legendary German design and quality since 1849, now from an astonishingly affordable price. Pianos are judged by their musical and playing qualities, and Zeiler will capture your heart. Visit Remini Music, 210 Bloor at Avenue Road, Toronto's premier piano house, with 10 world-known brands under one roof, or at Remini.com. Earnings vary based on your effort. Do you want to learn how to make money flipping houses right here in Toronto in the Golden Horseshoe? If so, we have an amazing opportunity for you. We're looking for a small group of motivated individuals to join our real estate investing team. You'll learn our simple three-step system for flipping homes right here in the local area. This is Than Merrill, star of A&E's hit TV show, Flip This House. My team and I are looking for a handful of people in the Toronto and Golden Horseshoe area who want to learn how to make money flipping houses in your spare time using other people's money. Toronto and the Golden Horseshoe are perfect markets for my system. And this week, I'm holding a free two-hour educational workshop where you will learn how to make money flipping homes and how to build long-term wealth with income properties. To get two free tickets to Than's Workshop, call 1-800-591-2316. Seating is extremely limited. Call in the next 10 minutes and you'll also reserve a free copy of Than's Money for Deals Guide. That's 1-800-591-2316. That's 1-800-591-2316. The Chris Robinson Travel Show is brought to you by Visit Wales. Seeing the world through your radio. You're listening to The Chris Robinson Travel Show on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. Welcome back to the Chris Robinson Travel Show, coming to you on location from Wales in the United Kingdom. Check out all this destination has to offer on their website at www.americas.visitwales.com. You can also find links to everything you hear on the show in my travel notes on chrisrobinsontravelshow.com website homepage. I'm joined on this segment of the show by Jeff Hayden here at the birthplace of Dylan Thomas in Swansea called, naturally, Dylan Thomas House. Jeff, I feel as though I've fallen into a time warp. Well, I think you probably have, Chris. Uh, we've set the house up as it would have been when Dylan's parents bought it in 1914. And uh, it was a new house in 1914. They were first-time buyers. And so the furnishings are, what do you expect from a first-time buyer? Some old, some new, some hand-me-downs. And uh, we hope that it's a comfortable house, and we hope that people think that they've walked into the Thomas house uh, on the day that Mr and Mrs Thomas have gone out for the day. It feels just like that. The, you soak up the atmosphere of this place. And 1914, of course, was also the, the birth 
year of, of Dylan Thomas. So he was actually just born in this house? He was born. They bought the house and moved in in, in August. And he was born on the 27th of October oh. in the front bedroom. Wow. Now, we've had done a tour of the house. And of course, visitors can do a, a tour of the, of the house and see everything from his bedroom, which is tiny, but, but so atmospheric. Well, I think it is. It, 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 uh, what, what we call in Wales a kutchy room. Uh, and kutchy is a word uh, which uh, means in English safe place or a safe haven. Uh, it, it's somewhere where you're familiar, where all your things are around. And Dylan was not the tidiest of people. So there are things on the floor, there are bits yes. of paper, yeah. uh, odd cigarette ends and uh, books. And that's what he would have liked. He'd be able to think, I want to read a book. I know exactly what it is. It's a blue one. I can put my hand out and pick it up. And this really was his kind of safe place, his safe haven, wasn't it? Oh, most definitely. Even when he became... Uh, very much a celebrity at the age of 19 when his first book was published. Uh, he moved up to London. But if you read his letters, he's back in this house all the time. This is where man was. This is where he could be looked after. He could be cosseted. And, and so much of his poetry and, and, and his writing can be traced back to, to rooms or views from, from, the, from the house. Well, exactly. There's the poem, Once It Was the Colour of Saying, uh, which is all about the view out of his front bedroom window, the pair room and then other other stories are exactly about this house Patricia Edith and Arnold starts in the back garden it's all about a, a little love triangle very amusing little love triangle. very Dylan Thomas oh very yes. now of course if you are a real aficionado it is possible to stay in this house yes you can stay here up to seven people can stay in the house uh, it's um, not got a television, it's not got a radio, so you've got to talk to people. Hope not, yes. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it has uh, some modern conveniences, but uh, not a lot. Uh, so it, it is a house where you can get that flavour of what it might have been like to live in a house in the, uh, the 20s and 30s in this country. Such a, a labour of love, Jeff. Right. So a wonderful, wonderful place to, to come to. I've got two more things I, I need from you. One is a quote, perhaps one of your favourite passages of Dylan Thomas. Maybe you could come up with that. I, I, th I think, Chris, one of my favourite poems of Dylan's is uh, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end no dark is right. Because their words had forked no lightning they. Do not go gentle into that good night. Wow, powerful stuff and very much rooted in this, this house. Thank you so much, Jeff. And thank you for showing us around and thank you for uh, telling the story of uh, Dylan Thomas's early years here. I do have this one last thing I need to ask you now. I'm sure you're going to find obviously lots of Canadian heads on the pillows here in the centenary year. But now I need you to point me the way to the boathouse in Larne. Could you do that? Well, I can do that, Chris. I, I would recommend that you go by... Uh, train to Carmarthen, which is a beautiful train journey along the coast to Carmarthen from Swansea Station, and then catch the bus down to Larne. It'll take you about an hour and a half if you go by car. It's about 40 miles, not far for a North American, I think. <laughs> not far indeed. Thank you very much, Jeff. Pleasure. 
Well, here we are on the southwest coast of Wales in Larne, with its fine Georgian buildings, a castle, rivers, an estuary, and a defining landscape. A landscape evocatively captured forever in the words of Dylan Thomas. And here at the boathouse, I can see why the poet was inspired by the spirit of the place. I'm with Maggie James at the boathouse. And Maggie, how do you begin to explain the magic of this place? I don't think you can begin to explain it. You've got to experience it for yourself. Um, We're set in a wonderful old house which was built in the early 1800s on the side of a cliff overlooking an estuary into which three rivers flow. Um, The bird life outside the window is absolutely amazing. We have herons, we have curlews, we have obviously seagulls. And the atmosphere here, even on a day when the wind is blowing a gale and the tide is lashing against the stone wall. Even then, it's the most amazing, magical place to be. And as a visitor, you can soak up the experience as you come down the the steps from the uh, the walk along the, uh, the cliffs, you come down into the house. You do indeed. What we have in the house at the moment, we have a front parlour, which is... Um, furnished in the style of the period with our pride and joy Dylan Thomas's father's writing desk. Upstairs we have a short film that was made in the 1980s so although it's old it's very good at describing Dylan's early experiences in Swansea and then later obviously um, living in Larne and also we have an exhibition area which gives people um, an insight into his life and his work and then downstairs we have our wonderful little tea room in what was the main living room of the house uh, where we serve homemade cakes and cowl and it's quite nice, quite pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lovely visitor experience. And of course, you can go on the the balcony outside of the house and you're literally overhanging the estuary. You are indeed. You're looking out across the estuary at the bird life um, and across to Llanstefan, where once upon a time there used to be a little bell house because a ferryman operated from the building next door. And in fact, we're told that the first time that Dylan Thomas came to the boathouse, he had actually come across the ferry from Llanstefan, from his um, mother's family in Llangine, across in a boat and came up then into the boathouse. And Dylan Thomas clearly had a special affinity with the, the village here. He did. From that first moment, really. Um, I think he did. I think he, he described it as one of the maddest places in <laughs> Wales. Um, I can't remember the exact quote, but you'll have to look it up. But yes, he loved the locals. He loved um, he loved being able to walk to Brown's Hotel. Um, I think there were a lot more characters here when uh, Dylan was alive. Um, certainly some characters that I remember when I was a child, like Tommy Gramps, who was the grave digger and the um, town crier and uh, various other people like that. So, yes, there's some lovely people about. And, of course, they inspired him to write Under Milkwood because he said that the people of Larne needed a play for themselves in which they played themselves. So all of these characters um, suddenly turn up in Under Milkwood. And, and the, the characters, as you say, may have thinned out a little, but they are still around town. You yeah. get a sense of Under Milkwood as, as you walk the cobbles. Yes, you do. You do. And you've got, of course, you've got the town hall, you've got the strand, you've got the grind. Um, And of course, our favourite place to go walking, which evokes Dylan Thomas um, for everybody, is to do the birthday walk up over Sir John's Hill, which is one of his poems that he wrote when he was here.
So do you suggest that we uh, we hike the birthday walk? I would Thomas? definitely suggest you hike the birthday walk. Then that's what we shall do. And uh, the sun has come out. The tide is racing in below us. So we set out by the uh, walls of the ruined 12th century castle, past the Greist, which is the uh, the old port. Yes, area. it's the port where the cockle factory used to be, uh, where the Greist zone is. Um, and then you go round and you go up towards... Sir John's Hill. Well, point me in the direction of the birthday walk and off I'll go. Well, make sure you have a piece of Barabreath to take with you to sustain you on your way from our tea room first. Barabreath, it's, yes. it's, um, it's like a fruit loaf and it's homemade here on the, on, on the site. And it's a very Welsh traditional dish. I shall take that good advice. Thank you so much, Maggie. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll go hiking over the hills above the estuary on that birthday walk of Dylan Thomas here on the south coast of Wales. You're listening to The Chris Robinson Travel Show. When you're as proud as the Welsh are of Dylan Thomas, a birthday can quickly turn into a year. 2014, the centenary of the birth of Dylan Thomas. And Canada.visitwales.com invites you to the party to walk the birthday walk in Larne, soak up the culture, and meet some Welsh characters along the way. Come visit Wales in the year of their native son. Go online to Canada.visitwales.com. Is their snoring keeping you awake? Snoring may be a warning sound to something more serious. I'm Dr. Ron Goldstein, sleep apnea clinician. Loud snoring may indicate obstructive sleep apnea, but we can't know for certain until they have a home sleep test. You know them, they'll just sleep on it. So you make the call. Arrange for my sleep study performed in your home. Search online Dr. Goldstein Sleep Apnea and book a free consultation today. I'm having a hot My personal summer is really a bummer. I'm having a hot flash. Menopause, the musical, the off-Broadway parody hit that will have you cheering at your seat and dancing in the aisles. Coming to the Rose Theatre Brampton, March 7th and 8th at 8 p.m. Call 905-874-2800 or visit rosetheatre.ca. I'm having a hot flash. Let It Rain knows that sometimes bad things happen to good people. When a crisis takes priority over essentials like a roof overhead, they know they must help. So Let It Rain has joined the No Roof Left Behind program to give a deserving family a new roof at no cost. You can help. Be a good neighbor. Nominate a friend or family in need of a new roof. Call Let It Rain, 877-686-7246 or visit letitrain.ca. Get a lot for a little with the 2014 Mitsubishi Mirage. So, what's a lot, exactly? It's a class-leading 64 miles per gallon, seven standard airbags, a 10-year powertrain limited warranty, and it comes in eight vibrant colors. And right now, you can get 0% purchase financing and a $750 loyalty rebate when you purchase a new Mirage. And a little? Well, it starts at just $12,498. The all-new 2014 Mitsubishi Mirage. On approved credit. See your dealer for details or visit MitsubishiMotors.ca. Tonight, the wait is over. CBC's Hockey Night in Canada returns with all Canadian matchups and the best seat in the house. First, longtime original six rivals go head to head when the Leafs face off against the Canadians. Then, it's the Battle of Alberta and a chance for the Flames to move up in the rankings when they take on the Oilers. It all starts tonight at 6 30. 
NHL action on CBC's Hockey Night in Canada. It's more than a game. It's our game. The Chris Robinson Travel Show is brought to you by Visit Wales. Crossing oceans and borders with no passport required. You're listening to the Chris Robinson Travel Show on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back to the Chris Robinson Travel Show, where this week we are in South Wales on the trail of Dylan Thomas as the country celebrates 100 years since the poet's birth. And the great thing about Dylan Thomas is the way his words paint a picture of the people and places of Wales in a way a camera never can. And following his life thread through Wales is a wonderful way of absorbing the beauty of the Welsh landscape and the people. I'm now in the company of Bob Stevens, creator of the Dylan Thomas Birthday Walk here in Larne, who's accompanying me on my Dylan Thomas pilgrimage. Bob, we're standing here at the, the first stop on the Birthday Walk, and the, the view on this gorgeous late February day is simply grand. Yes, Chris, you've come on one of the better days in Larne. Lovely sunny day, and we're looking across at the castle brown as owls, as depicted in Poem in October, which is the basis of the birthday walk, Dylan's birthday walk. So he started out on his walk on his birthday, on his 30th birthday. That's correct, and he would have started off in the boathouse on an early morning walk and passed what we've just done, the harbour in Larn, and we're on the shoulder of the hill in in the Milkwood, leading up to Sir John's Hill. And his poem is entitled? It's called Poem in October. It's one of his better poems, in my regard. Uh, It's based on his feelings about his 30th birthday and how he walked through the landscape of Larn to the high hill at the shoulder of Sir John's Hill where he was thinking about his uh, mortality. Um, I created this walk based with uh, panels and seats where I've divided the poem up into four sections where you can actually walk through his poetry. You can see what he was looking at, you can see what inspired him. Now we are going to carry on along the birthday walk and we'll stop and, uh, and perhaps tell a little bit more of the poem as we go. Yes, please, Come, let's, let's go further up the hill. Well, here we are on another stop on Dylan's birthday walk, Bob, and the view from here is simply spectacular. Yes, uh, we're on the shoulder of Sir John's Hill. Dylan would have stood here when he was thinking about writing this poem. He'd been looking back at his home, the boathouse, across the river. And if you look to your right, you're looking down to the Gower and the Towie. Fantastic views and an ever-changing scene where the tide comes in and out which makes it that much more interesting. The sun has come out for us today. It's a lovely day in, in, in February, and it's illuminating the great curve of the estuary here with the, the sand on one side and the, uh, the salt marsh, I guess, on, on this side. And looking directly ahead of us now is, is the boathouse in Larne. Yes, he would have lived there from uh, 1949 to, sadly, in '53, uh, when he died in America. Um, he had happy and sad times there, and you can see his writing shed perched just behind it. Um, he loved this scenery. This made him, in my view, compose some of his best work. From under Milkwood, which is based on, obviously, Larne, and over Sir John's Hill and Poe in October, 
it inspired him, the scenery. And here we sit on the uh, the bench overlooking all of this, listening to the bird song that Dylan Thomas would have listened to. And uh... and the Heron Priesthood Show. Well, Bob, we've come to uh, the, the end of the birthday walk here and the view, well, it just seems to be even grander than any of the views leading up to it. And that's really saying something. Yeah, this is where Dylan would have finished his poem. Um, I checked with his daughter when she was alive that this path I've created is exactly what he was writing about. And as you can see, the view extends over to the Gower, Worm's Head, and it's magnificent. You're seeing out to sea and Temby's round the corner. It's a wonderful place to come and visit. The flowers are out in this uh, late February week. The uh, the daffodils, the primroses, the, the even the gorses is the yellow. The gorse is out. Yeah, it's starting. Uh, it's a lovely feeling. Winters are almost at an end. I, it's not quite like the, what you have in Canada, <laughs> but um, we're looking forward to the summer. And when Dylan did this, it was October, I believe. Yes, he wrote his poet. Obviously, his his birthday is in October the twenty seventh. So he wrote it based on that time of the year. He walked and came to this part of the hill. And he says at the end of Poem October, he stands here in this exact spot and says, Oh, may my heart's truth still be sung on this high hill in a year's turning. Meaning, I hope to goodness I'm still going to be alive and kicking in a year's time. (laughs) Which is a universal feeling for all of us. And many people come up here on their birthdays. Yes, I've invited people to come and do the birthday walk on their birthdays and I've arranged for them to go back into the township and have a free pint in the pubs, (laughs) free pizza, uh, free entry to the boathouse, so they can while away their birthday in Lan and enjoy and relax in what Dylan called it, this beguiling island of a town. And you have a special invitation for Canadians listening to this show. Well, yes, of course. I'd, I'd love Canadians and all different people to come, especially this year uh, of 2014, which is the centenary of his birth. What better way can you celebrate Wales's greatest poet than to do the birthday walk and stand here and read out this final verse? And I guess he'll be up there smiling down upon you. I'm sure he will. This is a, a really very, very special place. And you get a sense of why uh, Dylan Thomas was so at home here. Um, thank you so much, Bob, for sharing your love of the poet and his cherished lawn with our, our listeners. And uh, hopefully you'll see many Canadians making the birthday walk. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Rob. I've travelled back along the coast to Cardiff from Larne to meet with Rob Jones, media executive from Visit Wales, to put my journey into perspective. Now, Rob, I've had a memorable trip. I've met wonderful people, seen wonderful places, and it's been even better to have had a theme to my trip. For others wanting to find out more about Dylan Thomas in Wales... Are there any special events planned for this year? Yes, well, this year there's a whole host of events taking place in celebration of the centenary of Dylan Thomas. Um, there's going to be literature festivals, there's going to be talks and there's going to be dramas, etc. taking place. And obviously the main event's going to be taking place in October and November of this year um, in Swansea at the Dylan Thomas Centre, which is 
obviously called the Dylan Thomas Festival. Um, it starts um, in October and finishes in November. But throughout the year in Wales and internationally, there's going to be a whole host of events taking place in celebration of that. Is there going to be a website that people can go to? Yes, if they visit Dylan Thomas 100, they'll get all the information on there and all the information with regards to the events and the happenings and everything else that's associated with Dylan Thomas. Uh, Rob, I'm really anxious to share Wales with uh, my fellow Canadians and the listeners to this travel show. It's such a wonderful country and such wonderful people. And it's so easy to get to from Canada. It so is. Um, if you fly directly into Heathrow or um, into Manchester or into Birmingham, getting into Wales couldn't be easier. For instance, from London, we're only two hours train ride away and that will bring you into the capital city of Cardiff. And from there, Wales is your oyster, basically. And also that happens if you're tra- travelling into Manchester. Travelling into, into North Wales, you've got the lovely North Wales coastline heading off to the Isle of Anglesey, the Clean Peninsula, etc. Um, and coming down to Cardiff, you can head up into the Brecon Beacons or even head on to Pembrokeshire and the Cardigan Coast. There's a vast amount to see here, so it's very, very accessible. And accommodations are really first class. Accommodation is vast here also. Whether you want to stay in a small country inn or want to stay into a five-star luxury um, country house or to a city hotel, we have it all from the small B&Bs to the large and luxurious hotels as well. Yes, you're going to find a warm welcome here. What's the best way for listeners to find out more and how to book their trip to Wales from Canada? Well, basically, if you um, go onto the website and you go onto americas.visitwales.com and if you visit um, traveltrailwales.com also, you'll get all the information there regarding visiting Wales and all the fun things to do with also. I just want one thing more from you, Rob, and that is uh, a short message in the Welsh language to our listeners. No problem at all. Well, Gavillion, and Edrych ymlaen i'n croeshaw i chi gyd yma i Gymru, bydd yna croeso mawr yn eich disgwyls chi i gyd. That's wonderful, Rob. What does that mean? Well, actually, um, croeso, which is welcome, and I just mentioned there is a large welcome waiting for you here in Wales, and we look forward to greeting you in Wales when you come. I'm sure you'll be greeting many Canadians. Again, my thanks to Rob, Bill, Bob, Joe, Jeff, Maggie and all the wonderfully warm and hospitable Welsh people we've met on our journey through Wales. Join us again next week for another travel experience. And in the meantime, you can find out more about this show at the chrisrobinsontravelshow.com website. Till then, and here's my Welsh for goodbye, Hoyle Vauer from the Chris Robinson Travel Show. Hi, Chris Robinson here again, and welcome to our weekly roundup of travel news. Each week after the show, I'll tell you about where we're going on next week's show. I'll also tell you about any travel prizes that we might be featuring on AM740, and about any trips coming up where you can accompany me on some of my travels. If any special travel deals catch my eye, I'll also give you the scoop on those, and fill you in on any interesting travel news. For instance, TripAdvisor has just announced their 2014 Traveller's Choice Awards for the best islands of the world. These are determined based on the quality and quantity of the feedback listed for each island on TripAdvisor, gathered during a 12-month period. And number one on their top 10 island list is Ambergris Cay, off the coast of Belize in Central America. And the runner-up is Providenciales, the main vacation island in the Turks and Caicos in the Caribbean. 
My own top 10 islands are listed in an article on the Travel Show website and include Grenada in the Caribbean, Maria in the South Pacific, Frigate Island in the Seychelles in the Indian Ocean, South Island, New Zealand, Chung Chao in Hong Kong, Tasmania in Australia, Corsica in the Mediterranean, Iceland, Caladesi on the Florida Gulf Coast, and our own Herschel Island in the Yukon. Well, I hope you enjoyed our special on-location travel shows from Wales, the land of magic, myth, and dragons. I really get a special thrill from introducing lesser-known destinations to our travel show audiences. And I suspect that many of you may have been to the UK on your travels, but not made the short trip westwards to discover this verdant country of Wales. So, I hope that some of you may have been persuaded to add this country to your next trip across the Atlantic. If you want to explore further about Wales, the Travel Show has a website full of detailed information about every place we visit on the show. For more information on Wales, for instance, just go to www.chrisrobinsontravelshow.com and here you'll find all the websites and telephone numbers that we mentioned during the broadcast and more to help you do your own research. Click on the Destination tab on the homepage to find the homepage for Wales, and you'll find my travel notes for this destination, pages of detailed travel guides that will help you plan your trip to Wales. From the homepage of chrisrobinsontravelshow.com, you'll also find links to the Travel Show Facebook page, where you can join me for daily posts on the travel world, and to my Pinterest site at pinterest.com slash travelshow, where you can see some of my photos of the places we visit on the show. I'll be creating a Pinterest board for my photographs of this trip in South Wales next week, for instance. And I'll also be writing a travel blog of the trip, which you can access from the Travel Show website homepage. So you can choose how you wish to share my travels in lots of different ways. Send your travel questions and comments to me for possible airing on future shows. I'm always interested in your news and views, and you can listen to past shows on the podcast links on the website too. Next week on The Travel Show, we're going to whisk you across the Atlantic Ocean again to Europe. Europe in all its richness and splendour will be our playground and with nearly 50 countries to explore, I'll be asking the question, how do we go about seeing it all? And naturally, we'll have the answer for you from the travel company who has been touring Europe for over 85 years, Globus. My guests will be Stephanie Bishop, Managing Director of Globus in Canada, and Hendrik Dardummer, Cruise Director for Avalon Waterways, which is part of the Globus family of brands. Together, Stephanie and Hendrik will guide us around Europe and explain the relative merits of touring the continent by coach, cruising the great waterways by luxurious river cruise ships, or doing your own thing and travelling independently, with a little help from Globus. So, join me next Saturday on The Travel Show at 1pm here on AM 740 Zuma Radio as we travel Europe's highways, byways and rivers on The Chris Robinson Travel Show. <laughs>